Welcome to the C3 Church podcast. Here at church, we are passionate about people and helping them in their walk with God. We hope this Sunday message speaks to you today. Well, good morning. Hello. <laughs> I'm just wriggling into position here, make sure I get a little bit closer. So, yes, our final one of things that Jesus never said. So today we're looking at the phrase, you get what you deserve. Did Jesus ever say, you get what you deserve? Well, that's what we're going to be exploring today. But before I move into my message, I want to say good morning to those of you online and and good morning to those of you in prison. Last week I wasn't well, so I wasn't here, so I was able to watch online, I was able to join the online community, and it's fantastic that we can do that. And so shout out to you online, all the way, all across the world. Let's give them a hand because they're all around the world watching us right now. Great to see you. And for those of you in prison, you are watching. We know that you are watching because we get letters from you, and you write to us, and you tell us that you're watching. I've got a letter here from a guy called David, who's in a prison in Wakefield. And he said he's recently become become a Christian and started his journey with God and Jesus. And it's going very well, and I'm learning a little every single day. I write today, for you. It says, I write today as I understand you are a prison ministry and would love to learn more about you and the work you do. At this time, I'm not working due to a lack of spaces, and I'm mostly behind my door. I like to do daily readings and to read Christian literature. I wondered if you produce or publish literature, tracts, etc. I hope this letter meets everyone well. We send Jeff Lucas devotions to people into the prisons who ask for them or respond in some way. We have people that write back to those letters. If you want to join the team to write back, then let us know because we want to keep connection with our brothers and sisters in prisons with what we're doing every single day. Amen? Amen. You know, it's been quite a week for me this week. Um, I don't know about you, I'm a bit of a Facebook kind of like, I like Facebook every now and again. Steve usually tells me whenever he goes on Facebook, he's found I've been there already. And it's like, you know, the pastoral comments that I make, you know, as I'm going along, it's my kind of checking you all out, making sure you're doing okay. But what popped up on Facebook this week for me is a couple of photos that took me back down memory lane. If you put up my photos there, do any of you remember this? Yeah, you remember this building being built? I know we're actually in this building, and the next photo you can see, this is what it looks like now. But it was such a journey, hey, to get here. Eight years ago, this month, that we actually got into this building, 2015. For those of you who don't know, that was such a story of God's grace, of God's leading, of miraculous provision to actually get us here, into this place, into this building. You know, it was incredible. Once upon a time, it was a vision. Once upon a time, it was a dream. And then it's become an actual reality. We paid 1.25 million for the land that we're on here. And then it was a further 6.5 million to actually build this place. Incredible provision that God's made. We come, and I don't know about you, sometimes we get a taxi here. There's been a kind of like changes in the car situation in our wider family. And we've got more taxis recently than we ever have. And we've talked to the taxi drivers, and we've got, come to this place, and they go, I want to know is, how did they pay for it? We're like, 
The people, it was the people, they paid for it. It's incredible, generous people paid for this incredible, incredible building. You know, after we'd opened this building, we then um, were kind of like really excited about what God was going to do. We knew that the building wasn't the end product. The building was just a tool for what God was going to do. And God has used this place. He's used it to change people's lives. It's used, used it for people's relationships to be healed and restored. People have got married here. People have had babies here. Well, not literally here, not, not yet. But, but people have found spouses here. God has done some incredible things in this place. Has he not? Yes. He really has, and he will continue to do so. You know, two years after we'd been in this building, the trustees decided that Steve and I could go on a sabbatical and that we could go on an extended kind of trip around the world and have some time to be rest and to be refreshed. And you know, at that time, the interesting thing, we say language locates us and gives us away. Many people said to us, you go and have a break. You deserve it. You deserve to have a break. And in my head, I was thinking, I know we need a break, and I know we need a rest, and I know we need to recover from the stress of the up and down of the buildings, money in, money out, is it going to happen, is it not going to happen, buildings are, uh, you know, disappearing on us and uh, going into administration and the stress of, is it going to happen, is it not? We needed a break, we needed to stop, we needed to reflect, we needed to refresh. But had we earned the break? Did we deserve to have a sabbatical? That's a question that we're looking at today. Did Jesus say, you deserve it, so therefore you should have it? Did we earn our rest? Did we earn our break? You know, we say it quite often to one another. There was a strange conversation that we had with one of our congregation members, and they were talking to somebody here in the city and they obviously didn't think that we deserved anything. They were really upset about the fact that this building was even here, and the fact that Steve and I got a break after this building was established and, and, and you know, started to be open and being used. They had a real grumble to one of our congregation members. Now, I don't know who that person was, but they're not on my birthday card list anymore. <laughs> they're really not. They were not happy. They didn't think that we deserved it. But you know, sometimes we think that we're entitled to things. We think that we're entitled to the life that we have when things are going well. We think we may be entitled to nice possessions, material things, or a house, or a car. We can have an attitude. Teenagers can have that attitude. Adults can have that attitude that we deserve it somehow, that we're entitled to it in some way. They have an iPhone, so I should have one too. But you know, sometimes we think in our heads, I've deserved, I've worked hard, so I deserve to have a treat. Anybody like me who goes home at night and thinks, chocolate bar, last thing at night, cup of tea, Worked hard today. Nobody knows the stress that I've been under. Nobody quite understands how hard it is to be a pastor. Nobody said thank you today or gave me a pat on the back. Chocolate bar, yeah, that'll do it. I know it's not going to fix it, 
But in my mind, I'm thinking, I deserve a little treat. It's ingrained in us, isn't it? That actually we deserve things in life. Some of you, though, might be thinking the opposite and thinking, I've done nothing good with my life. In fact, I've messed up. I've really, really messed up. My life is so hard. I've got a broken, broken lifestyle. I've got no friends or family. I've got no money. And I deserve a life like this. I'm a failure. I've made my bed. I'm going to just have to lie in it. And they're two extremes. We think we are entitled, so we deserve it. Or we think we're rubbish, so we deserve what we got. We can get this, either of those extreme mindsets thinking that this is what life is about. But, you know, how do we figure it out then? How do we work out what is the true way of thinking? If we get our self-worth and self-respect and we get that aligned right and we don't go over to the extreme, but also we don't get thinking, go over to the extreme of entitlement, how do we line that up? How do we get the right balance? Well, I suggest that we look in Scripture and we see how Jesus did it. What did he teach? And he taught in John 9, a passage there, when he met the blind man. And the disciples came and saw this blind man and said, there's this blind man, and he wants to be healed. And they said to them, the disciples said to Jesus, who sinned? I can't quite read that here. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work while I am in the world. I am the light of the world. Who sinned? Why is this man blind? Who's at fault? Who can we blame? Did he deserve to have blindness because somebody sinned and it was their fault? We can get into that way of thinking that there must be something somewhere that somebody's done something wrong in order for this much fortune to come unto this man. But Jesus said, it's not about blame, it's not about earning, but it's actually, it's about my glory will be revealed through this situation. There is purpose in his pain. And he took some mud and he made a mud patch and he put it on his eyes and he sent him away to wash it off and that man was healed. And he went round and he told everybody about Jesus. There was going to be purpose in what was the situation for that man found himself. You see, the truth is that we will have hard things happening to us in life. We will suffer. Horrible, bad things will happen to us. Not because of what we've done, not because of what God is planting on you, but because God is going to use it and because we live in a broken, fallen world. Some suffering is a consequence of because of the world that we live in. We live in a fallen world. We can see that in the news and do pray for all the wars that are going on right now. Do pray for those floods that are happening and the suffering and poverty that's happening all around the world. It says in scripture, the creation is groaning to be released and to be free, to be the end of the world because there's so much suffering, there's so much pain, there's so much that's going on. 
In fact, we see it happened right at the beginning, that there was a, an opening up of suffering that happened in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve had the opportunity to take of that fruit that would actually open up almost like a Pandora's box that the suffering and the sin would enter world. I never quite understood how is it that two people and the consequences of what they did affected the rest of the world until I thought about the fact that in, two, in 1994, Steve and I moved down here to Cambridge from the Northwest. We came with a four-year-old Josh and a two-year-old Becky. And because we moved from the world to here to Cambridge, one decision that we made, it had a consequence for our family and for our grandparents, our grandchildren. Megan actually is a southerner. She doesn't want to admit that she's from a northern family. She's a southerner. My grandchildren are southerners. One decision had a consequence for the rest of the family. In the same way, Adam and Eve, one decision had a consequence for the rest of humanity. Sin entered the world. But you know, God says, even though we are broken people living in a broken world, we have a promise that when we find ourselves in him, he gives us promises like Romans 8 verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God to them who are called according to his purpose. Jesus can bring glory to God through suffering. None of us are exempt from suffering. We'll all have stuff that we'll need to deal with. In fact, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You're like, great, thanks Jesus. In this world we will have trouble. Hip, hip, hooray, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I'm with you. I'm through you. I'm walking with you in this world. You see, we need to change our mindset slightly about what it is all about. There's a parable that Jesus taught us, and he said to think about an internal perspective, that we need to have an internal mindset. And he told this parable that there was a man who had a vineyard, and the, the foreman, the, the worker, the supervisor on that land, got some workers for that vineyard, and um, they were going to go and pick grapes and pick the harvest. And they went into the town square, and he needed a worker to go and pick the grapes. So he went into the town square, and I'm going to get a nice volunteer right now. I'll get my first volunteer, Dylan, up here. Dylan, come up here. Give him a hand. He's going he's to help me pick the grapes. We have a second volunteer. We, we do need somebody else, actually, so thank you. We'll have our second volunteer who's also happy to pick the grapes, yes. Okay, he'll be back. Second picking the grapes, okay. So the first volunteer came at the beginning of the morning. At midday, we got the second volunteer, well, worker, to actually come and pick the grapes. But then the, the foreman decided that they still needed more people to come and pick the grapes. They're picking really well here. So they went about 3 o'clock in the afternoon and decided to get a third worker. So can we have our third worker? Our third worker. Where are we? They're looking at each other. Who's number three? Come on, Miracle, you're number three. Miracle, you can do this. It's 3, it's, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Come on, Miracle, I need you to work. Thank you, thank you. Beautiful actress here right now. She's working hard. What is it that you want to go into? Acting, that's it. 
And then it came to five o'clock in the afternoon. There was only one hour to go of the day. And he went into the town square and he found somebody who was lazing around and said, what have you been doing all day? Why aren't you working? Come on, there's plenty of work to do. Get into my vineyard. Start picking the grapes. So he, he got to the end of the day and he said to the first guy, he said, we planned that I would pay you one denarius. Now, one denarius was a day's work and a day's pay. So I said to you right at the beginning, I will pay you one denarius. So here you go. I'm uh, kind of working out. Apparently, the equivalent is about five pence in today's money, but I'll up it a bit, okay? So there you go, Dylan. There's... So you worked all day, yeah? You worked from noon, okay? I'm going to give you your wage from me. And there you go. There's a... You work from 3 o'clock. Um, I'm going to give you your wages there Thank from you. 3 o'clock. And you worked an hour, okay? I'm going to give you your wages as well. Now, this guy at the beginning thought, what's going on? I worked really hard. I worked all day long. And I got the same amount of money as the person. Oh, he's happy. He's really happy. <laughs> Really happy. Grumble, Grumble Dylan decided, Dylan isn't a grumbler, but Grumble Dylan decided it's really not fair, is it? It's not fair. I know sometimes life looks like this and it doesn't seem fair. You know, fair isn't in the Bible. It doesn't talk about fair. But what it does talk about, it talks about generous. And God is a generous God. And even if somebody gets saved on the deathbed. He will enter into an eternal glory and they will get the same reward as the one who was there for many years. <laughs> I have a second service to do. <laughs> I'll be generous later. <laughs> Jesus said, have an eternal mindset. Treat one another. Treat them in a way that we want everyone to have those true riches whether they've worked a long haul or whether they've done a short haul. You see, we need to have a generous mindset and be like God. Remember the prodigal son? He didn't deserve what he got from the father. Really, he should have repaid the father. He'd gone off and spent all the money. He should have repaid it back. But the father was so generous, he received him in. He welcomed him in. Oh, that we may have a generous mindset that we may be generous to one another, that we don't look around for blame or fault or reason, or we don't look for people to earn their favor from God and the love of God over their lives because we don't deserve pain. Ultimately, you know, Jesus was our example in this. He didn't deserve pain. He didn't deserve the suffering on the cross, and he grappled with it. He was a human man. He grappled with it. You can see in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was there. And he was saying, if this cup can be taken from me, let it be. But not my will, but your will be done. If this cup could be taken away. He grappled with what he had to go through on that cross for you and for me. He was generous in the midst of that pain. You know, when I had my third born. She's called Megan. She lives in London, if you don't know. I had a really difficult birth. 
She nearly died. I nearly died. I told somebody the story, and they said they probably had about 10 minutes left, both of us. We really had to have an emergency cesarean. She was flat when she was born. She had tubes coming out of every, every area. And they thought, maybe she'll survive. Everybody prayed for her. The first 24 hours was really crucial. And they started to say, she's picking up. She's picking up. We don't know if she'll walk. We don't know if she'll talk. We don't know. We'll watch. It was the most painful thing to go through, to see your little one going through that. And you know, afterwards, I thought to myself, God, how come I went through all that? How come? I thought I was a good girl. I thought I was doing everything right. I, I was prepared to move from the Northwest all the way to Cambridge for you, to this place that's flat and boring, and people just drink red wine, and it's just like, oh, just not my kind of people. I, I was doing good. And you know, God gave me a revelation that just because it's painful doesn't mean to say that love isn't in operation. Jesus hung on that cross, and he did it because of love. He did it because he loved us. Love was still in operation in the midst of that pain, even more so. You know, when we go through difficult times, look out for the love of God. He's still working for all things together for our good. He will still work it through. He will still weave it in. He will still make it part of the picture of us, of our testimony, of the faithfulness of God. I prayed that prayer, but he didn't take it away from me. He didn't take that pain away from me another time when in 2004, we had many people here at C3, many of you will know the story, that there were people who decided to leave the church and to start another church. And they were people who were my friends. Many of them were my friends. They were the kind of friends who the kids got to play with each other. And we did sleepovers together. And we gave birthday cards and birthday presents to one another. They were that kind of friends. They weren't just kind of the friend you bump into and you kind of see every now and again. They were close friends. And in, in 2004, a whole group of them decided to move away. Oh, man, that hurt. That was so painful. And then a few others in 2006, a few more went, different group. And then 2008. It was a painful period. It was a difficult, difficult time. But you know, I believe there was purpose in that. There was purpose in it. And sometimes the hardest things that we go through can make us into the stronger person that we are. God can use purpose in our pain. I believe that God hadn't called me to be a, a, a woman with a group of close-knit friends that just kept in a bit of a holy huddle. Little did I know that God had you in his mind. Little did he know that God was going to ask me to be involved in a global leadership conference. Little did I know that God was going to break my heart for people across this city and further. If I'd stayed in that holy huddle, maybe I never, would never have really fulfilled the calling on, on my life that God has given me. There is purpose in what God is taking you through, what God is walking us through. Sometimes it's not easy, but you know what it is? 
It's the grace of God that gets us through. It's the grace of God that gives us what we don't deserve. You see, ultimately, we live in sin. Ultimately, there's a gap between us and our relationship with God. Ultimately, our sin separates us. But because of what Jesus has done the cross for us, God really doesn't give us what he deserves. He gives us way and above what we deserve. He gives us grace. He gives us Jesus. He gives us a new life. He gives us a hope. He gives us a future. He gives us his grace. See, grace brings pardon to us. It allows us, even if things are wrong in our world, that deep down we know that Jesus says, it's okay, I've got you. It's okay, I've covered you. I'm not gonna put that sin on you. Even if we feel all wrong, Jesus makes it all right. His grace pardons our sin. Grace also has a power to it. When we know that we don't have to strive to be something in God, when we know we don't have to earn his favor or his grace, we can relax into a relationship with him. And somehow grace starts to work where he starts to change us on the inside. And the power of grace is where we want to change and we want to be more like Jesus. We are so grateful to him. We worship him, we honor him, and we want to be more like him. Grace gives us pardon. Grace brings with it power. And ultimately, grace brings us a promise. A promise to say that he will bring us through and that there will be a better day. Ultimately, there's a better day in heaven, but here, even on earth, that we can lean into his grace. When everything is going fantastic, it's the grace of God. When things aren't going so well, lean into the grace of God. Lean into the grace that he has for us. I'm gonna take this money in case they pinch it from us. <laughs> lean into the grace of God. You know, this week as I've been preparing this message, I've known of a new baby being born in the church congregation. Congratulations to Edson and Esther for a little baby girl, Sophia Grace. It's beautiful to know that there's new birth and new life. But I also know this week there's babies been lost in mother's wombs this week. I know of these three people who are struggling with that. I know somebody who died in our congregation this week. The highs and the lows the joy and the celebration, but also the heartache and the pain. And that's the world that we live in. And if you're supporting somebody who's going through a difficult time, pray with them to lean on the grace of God. Ask for the grace of God in their hearts and their minds, that they will know the love of God that they will know that this is not forever, that they know that they can come through, that the grace of God is working for them and in them. Can we please stand? Can we close our eyes and just focus on Jesus? I believe there's some people in the room today 
And those words of, you deserve it. I've been like a knife wound into your heart. And I believe God wants to say to you, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. We are broken people living in a broken world. For that father who's got a difficult relationship with your daughter and with your son, it's not your fault. For that marriage that didn't work out, it's not your fault. those who got into financial difficulty oh maybe you could have done things better but it's not your fault come to God come to his grace today may your grace may you know that his grace has power you have power to change power to bring out a new situation a promise for a new future pardon from any sin that you've played. He wants to wipe it clean, the slate clean, and say, he loves you. God bless you this morning. May the grace of God be with you. Lord God, for everyone whose hearts turn towards you right now, Lord, we pray that your grace will be all sufficient for them. Lord, that in our weakness, we will know your strength, that you will give us the power and to hope for the future, Lord God, that we will be a community that will mourn with those who mourn and celebrate with those who celebrate, knowing, Lord God, that there is a day when all pain will cease, all sorrow will stop, and that you will have that day. So come, Lord Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the C3 podcast. This message has spoken to you today in some way. We would love to know. Reach out to us at hello at the C3.uk. And if you want to extend the reach of what we do here, why not consider giving by going to the C3.uk forward slash giving. And as always, subscribe to our channel and share this episode with a friend. We hope to see you soon.